Good afternoon. This is the Executive Girlfriends Group, and it is Friday, June 25th, 2010, and this is Chickie Fitzgerald, the founder of the Executive Girlfriends Group. And today I have, uh, kind of back by popular demand, uh, a guest that I have previously had on my radio show, Solutions Live, Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo. And, and uh, Elizabeth, I, I really appreciate you joining us today. And, and today we are going to be talking about uh, your most recent book, uh, A Happy You, Your Ultimate Prescription for Happiness. So why don't you just give us a, a thumbnail sketch of you, your career, uh, what got you into uh, writing books out of a a background of clinical psychology. Mm. Well, first of all, let me say it is such a pleasure to be here, and I just love, love, love what you are doing, helping each other out, executive girlfriends. It's just it's such a great idea. It just pract- puts into practice so much of what I talk about in my book. So I so applaud what you are doing, Chicky, and, and everyone who's involved in this. Um, a little bit about me. I started my career as a physical therapist, and I say my life changed one day when I worked with a one-legged man. I worked a lot with people with amputations, that's what physical therapists do, but this particular gentleman had had a surgical amputation because he had had complications with diabetes, which isn't uncommon. He came down to the physical therapy clinic and he was just drooped over, wouldn't do anything that I asked him to do. And so I sent him back up to his room at his request. That afternoon we had rounds, which is where the docs and the nurses and everyone gets together, and we all agreed that this gentleman was depressed. That wasn't surprising. What what changed my life was what the attending physician said next, and that was, let's give him an antidepressant medication. Ooh. And I and I thought, you, we just cut his leg off. He's dealing with a huge loss, and we're going to give him a pill. Now, please hear me say there are play, appropriate times for medications. I'm not anti-meds. However, in this situation, even if he did happen to need medication, I also thought that he needed some counseling, and that's not what he was offered. So right then and there, I decided to go back to school, and I knew that I needed to help people deal with loss, and and not because we all have amputations, but we all deal with loss. We were just talking before the call about loss of of job, loss of of a life that we thought that we were going to have, loss of a dream. Yeah, we've lost everything from bottled water to being able to afford to go get our hair colored. I mean, we've lost, uh, in many ways, those are amputations. Absolutely, absolutely. And so right then and there, I decided to go back to school, um, and I did, and I didn't realize at the time that it would take me six years full-time to get my degree, but it did, and I'm glad I didn't know then, and I'm glad I did it. And so now I'm a practicing clinical psychologist and coach, and I help I help people deal with whatever life throws at them. Um, my philosophy is less stress, more happiness, regardless of what goes on in life. It's possible, and it's a skill that everyone can learn and, and practice and, and excel at. And what was your first book that you wrote? <laughs> I, I'm just laughing because I truly I can't remember the name right now. It's something cognitive, <laughs> cognitive behavioral case conceptualization, a problem-solving approach. I mean, the title is boring. My, I've never read it except to like try to put myself to sleep. It, it's a textbook for psychologists. So if you are going to be a psychologist and want to know how to treat your your clients, you would read the book. Other than that, I highly recommend it if you're having insomnia and having difficulty <laughs> sleeping. But yeah, so that was my first book. That was my first book. This book, A Happy You, Your Ultimate Prescription for Happiness, is is my first book for normal people. So. <laughs> Well, good. Well, then, then hopefully we all qualify for that. <laughs> and and so, what was the catalyst for the book? 
the catalyst for the book was I was tired of helping one person at a time because we, it is my firm belief that we all want to be happier. We just don't know how to do it. And we think, I, I see we're suffering from what I call if-only syndrome. If, if, only, if only I had more money, then I'd be happier. If only my husband were more supportive, then I would be happier. If only the economy would turn around, then I would be happier. And so we're, we're waiting for those external variables a lot. And really happiness is a skill that if we learn the right skills, everyone can be happier. And I, I didn't want to just help one person at a time, the people who could afford to come into my office and see me. I wanted, this is a skill that we all need. Because happiness isn't just, oh, I feel good. When we are happier, everything else changes. Our entire perspective changes. Our relationships get better with our loved ones, with our children, with our spouses. We're much more productive at work. We're much more creative. People who are happier are healthier. They sleep better at night. They have better friendships. They have longer, more prosperous lives. So happiness really is, it, it sounds nice, it's even better than we even imagine, I think, sometimes. We don't realize how important it is. Well, let's walk through uh, just a, a bit of how the, the book is organized mm-hmm. and, and what your thought process was, uh, you know, for the kinds of people who, who you wanted to address. Because clearly, uh, you know, I thoroughly understand the issue of, of uh, wanting to get your message out more broadly um, so, you know, previously we had talked about your your physical therapy and, and moving into clinical psychology in response to, you know, fairly deep trauma. Mm-hmm. And and did you expect the people who would want to read this book to be, um, you know, at that same kind of traumatic place? Because on the cover of your book, you actually have a quote by Shaquille O'Neal, a uh, four-time NBA champion of Dr. Lombardo as my head coach for happiness. Well, we don't think about him, you know, being being someone who who might need this kind of uh, a book. So, mm-hmm. so what is it that that makes this book appealing, and and who were you gearing it at? I think my this particular book was geared towards people who quote, should be happy but not. <laughs> so maybe on paper their life is going pretty well. Yeah, maybe they're, they're not employed. However, they have a home. They, they have the means that other people, maybe from a third world country, might look at and say, oh, my goodness, you have a car. How cool. Um, but, but they were missing something. They were lacking something. Their life just wasn't what they thought that it should be or what it wanted to be. So it wasn't necessarily for people who have clinical depression, although these concepts work for them, too. It really is more for the general population who of people who say, you know what, I'm just not as happy as I want to be. I want something more in my life. Mm. Well, I love, uh, I'm, I'm such an avid reader, and, and uh, of course, during the course of having my radio show and interviewing so many people over, over the last two years, uh, I see a lot of different books. And mm-hmm. so I am always so impressed when someone can uh, pick up a metaphor that, that they can work with throughout the book, that, that the metaphor speaks to you and makes it clear and you know kind of where you are in the book. And you chose the metaphor for this particular book of, of really going uh, through the alphabet mm-hmm. and coming up with the things that really were going to be the components of happiness. Mm-hmm. And while I don't think we're going to have time to go through <laughs> through all 26 on the call, I, I do want to just walk through them very quickly. And then I'd like, while I'm doing that, I'd like for you to kind of zone in on which ones you felt were really the most impactful or, or that you have had stories back from people mm-hmm. of, 
oh, I'm so glad you included X mm. or, or, or Z or J or whatever. <laughs> so, so let me just walk through these for, for the folks that are listening, uh, both live and those that will be downloading the content. And why, uh, before you do that, if I could, let me just explain why I did that. So often, we're, we said before, we're such a pill-popping society. If something's wrong, we tend to prescribe a medication. We take a pill for it. And, again, there are definitely places for that. People often want that happy pill. They want that magical pill that's going to change them. And so that's why I did this happiness prescription that it isn't a pill per se, but it, there are prescriptions. There are things that you can do to change your happiness. And I did an A to Z because one day I was looking at my vitamins, and your <laughs> vitamins go from A to Z zinc and I thought wow that's exactly what we need sometimes we need more say vitamin C when we have a cold sometimes we need more specific vitamin at particular times in our lives and the book is is geared towards being able to look at the book and saying okay all all, all the chapters would be helpful right now what I really need is this this is the, the vitamin or this is the component of the happiness prescription that I need right now great great well that that makes a lot of sense um, so again, I'm just going to walk through uh, all of them, and then I would like for you to zero in on the, you know, the the, the few that pop out at, at you or stories that you told throughout the chapters. So A is for appreciation. Mm-hmm. Uh, B is for belief, believing in yourself. Mm-hmm. C is for creativity, using creativity to bring contentment. D definition, optimize how you define happiness. E for exercise, exercise your way to happiness. F for forgiveness, forgive yourself and others. G for goals, establishing goals to prioritize and achieve happiness. H for humor, get more laughter and fun into your life. I need that one. I for inspiration, be inspired to make the best out of every situation. J for journaling, write out your experiences. K for kindness, be kind to yourself and or be kind to others and reap the benefits yourself. L for love, love your friends and your family. M for mindfulness, enjoy what's happening right now. N for nutrition, eat your way to happiness. O for optimism, be optimistic and realistic. P for problem solving, address problems head on. Q for questions, spend time questioning your thoughts. R for relaxation, relax your way to happiness. S for songs, use music to make yourself happy. T for talking, talk your way to satisfaction. U for understanding, understand, accept, and embrace change. V for values, apply your values and leverage your strengths. W for win-wins, find a win-win solution in every situation. X for examine your soul. I wondered how you would cheat your way through that one. Because <laughs> uh, I, I was pretty sure that x-ray wasn't going to be a part of it. Um, examine your soul. Use spirituality to find hope and happiness. Y, you time. Prioritize time to take care of you. And Z for Zs, get your sleep. Okay, well, I can tell you what my, my favorites are there, but I do want to zero in actually on one of these because we just got back, as I had mentioned in, in uh, our intro before we started recording the call, uh, my family and I just got back uh, from a 10-day vacation, and, and actually we took a road trip, which uh, other than going on a cruise or, or driving over to Disney, uh, we had not taken a road trip per se, uh, actually in the 20 years that my husband and I have been married. And 
the whole time, my ten-year-old son, you know, kept saying, "Well, what time are we going to get there? What, you know, what are we going to do when we get there?" And and I constantly said to him on vacation uh, that he really just needed to enjoy what was happening right now. So M for mm-hmm. mindfulness was one that really, really popped out at me mm-hmm. uh, because I think we do spend so much time either in the past or in the future and really forget the moment. Yeah, it, it, and I think as you all were kind of giving me a brief intro to what's going on in your lives, that one really hit me too. Um, so often when we're going through struggling times or challenging times, what we're upset about, what's causing us stress, what's causing us difficulty, isn't so much the here and now as it is what happened in the past that got us here. So maybe some anger, resentment, some disappointment and then what it's going to be like in the future because so often people are thinking they're in psychology we call it fortune telling they're predicting the future negatively so as an example i was being interviewed on cnn a couple months ago about the the economic crisis and i was bringing up the point that no matter where you are what's really causing the stress is is the the thought that it's not going to get better so people Mm -hmm. who are working are worried that they're going to lose their job people who have lost their job are worried that they're never going to get work again People who um, have a home are worried about losing it. People who have lost their home are worrying that they're never going to have a home again. So it's kind of that that fortune-telling, that catastrophizing, thinking that what is going to happen is going to be so awful and unbearable. And yet, we emo- even though you know you're not there yet, you're emotionally reacting as if it is true. Right. As if it is true. And that doesn't help. I, I give the analogy. I used to live in... Dallas, Texas, and if you all are down in Florida, you know how hot it can get come, you know, come August. And yet in Dallas, Texas, in January, it it gets pretty cold. And I used to wear my coat because I'm a wimp and I love it very warm. But if I came into my office in Dallas, Texas, with it being 100 degrees out in August with a winter coat on, most people would think I'm pretty crazy. If I said, ah, I have my winter coat on because five months from now it's going to be cold out, most people would still think I'm crazy. It's wearing your winter coat in summer just makes you sweat that whole time. And yet that's a lot of what we tend to do when we think about the future. We think it's going to be bad, and we're emotionally reacting as if it's already happening. Right. Well, you know, I think that's so true. That That is just so true, and, and we do live in that mindset. Um, you know, or, or, as you said, we play out the scenarios uh, because I know, you know, there's so many people in this country whose credit has been ruined. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my husband was saying to me not long ago, well, you know, why don't you just go back and get a regular job? And, you know, I haven't worked for someone for 15 years other than mm-hmm. on a consulting basis. And I said, you know, that is all well and good, my dear, but most of the jobs that I would get would be out of town. Mm-hmm. And while that's not problematic um, in in and of itself, because of what has happened with our credit over over the last few years, the ability to both sell a home, well, obviously mm-hmm. selling a home in this market is also crazy uh, mm-hmm. uh, because you can't even get what you owe, but but uh, our inability to go somewhere else and buy a home. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right. I mean, we, we play those scenarios out, and, and it's so self-limiting. And, and, you know, not only self-limiting, but, but you're right, limiting the happiness component. Uh, it, component. It, it definitely is. And I'm not suggesting that you don't consider, that you don't think about it, that you don't have a coat in the closet for when you need it, <laughs> because we want to think about what could happen and then plan for that. Uh, but it's that emotional reaction 
emotionally reacting as if it's already happening. That's just making us just sweat more than we need to. Right. Now, I know every author, you know, as they write, there there is some portion of what they've written that really is their favorite, that, you know, they, they mm-hmm. wrote it, it came out, you know, beautifully the first time. They didn't have to have lots of angst over writing and rewriting. So uh, out of all of these, what what was really the one that resonated the most with you? I think it's the first one, which is Chapter A, Appreciation. And, Michelle, when you were introducing yourself, I caught at least twice that you used the word grateful. And I just thought, isn't that so wonderful? To be grateful, to appreciate. When you look at happy people versus not-so-happy people, the differences aren't in their bank account. They're not in their health status or their marital status necessarily or even their waistline. It really is the happier people are more grateful. They're more appreciative of what is going on in their lives. And and that is something that we all can do. We don't need to wait for any changes. That if only we don't need for that, we just can focus on what's going right right now. Um, I in the, Actually, in the book, I talk about a gentleman, not that I only work with people who have no limbs, but this was another gentleman who he had had an accident, and it was an electrical accident. He was an electrician, and his an electrical current had gone through both of his arms and burned them so severely that they had to amputate both of his arms in order to save his life. And I got the consult. I was working at a major, major trauma medical center. And truly I thought, what am I going to do with this guy? He's, he's 47 years old. He's, he's, a, he's a worker. That's what he's done all of his life. That's how he defines himself. And I have to admit, I was really questioning if I was going to be able to help him. I knocked on the door, and there is a gentleman sitting down with his white gown on, no arms, but it kind of looked like his arms were behind him because you, you don't you know, really picture that. And he was smiling. And I thought, of course, just as any shrink would, oh, he's totally delusional, right? He has no idea what's going on. <laughs> he knew his arms were gone. But what he was focusing on was the fact that he was alive, the fact mm-hmm. that his life was spared and he was still around. And his belief system was that he was here for a reason. He didn't know what it was. He didn't know what his life had in store, but he truly believed that he was left on this earth for a reason, and he was determined and excited and passionate to figure out what it was. That is gratitude. That is appreciating what he had as opposed to being upset about what he didn't. Wow, I love that. And that, that is a, a very powerful story. Um, the other thing I love about the way that you lay your book out is – uh, you, you tell stories throughout it, which which is always a, a powerful way of communicating, uh, because you know different people re- will relate to different stories, and if it's all you know just single dimensional, it's a little bit tough. But the other thing that you do is you give very very practical steps, and and you actually give the prescription, which is in this case the prescription is to be thankful no matter you know where you are, mm-hmm. and and to start a gratitude uh, journal to take off take off your negativity blinders. And also to share that appreciation with others, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I think that that uh, the fact that it, it's also practical, and that that whichever one of these is is the one that you either are struggling with or, or that you know instinctively that you need to undertake, uh, you can just literally flip to that one and and look at the prescription, and uh, you know, just remind yourself of the practical things that you can do to move forward. Yeah. So, what else sticks out for you? Chapter F, which is forgiveness. Uh, I think some people think of this as the other F word. Um, however, forgiveness is 
is really a wonderful gift that you give to yourself. I think a lot of people think, oh, I can't forgive that person because what they did was so horrible, or they haven't asked for my for my forgiveness and so I can't do it, or I can't forgive myself because, oh my goodness, I could never, I could never forgive myself. And yet when we, for, when we hold the resentment towards ourselves or others, we really, uh, it's like adding salt to a wound. What happened was bad enough, and yet when you have the anger and the resentment towards someone else or the guilt and the shame towards yourself, it's almost like adding, it's like adding salt to that wound. And it simply makes you feel worse emotionally. It adversely affects your health. There are all kinds of studies looking at how, for example, people with unexplained uh, chronic pain tend to have more resentment and anger, and, and it affects you adversely spiritually. So forgiveness is really a gift that you give to yourself. Um, in the, in, not to reference the book, but since we're talking about the book, um, I, I talk about what forgiveness is and what it isn't. Um, so maybe I'll just, if I could, just kind of look at some of that. Forgiveness is a gift that you give to yourself. It's not for anyone else. It's a choice to improve your life entirely. Um, it is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting, it's not denying, and it's not condoning the event or the pain that it's caused. Often people say, oh, I can never forgive because I can't forget. Of course you can't forget, but you can release the anger and the resentment. Um, Forgiveness is not a reconciliation where, where someone else is asking for it. In fact, the person doesn't have to be in your life. You don't have to talk to them. They may not even be on this earth. Um, it's not a sign of weakness. It's not always easy. Forgiveness often retire, requires time, energy, strength, and really skills because I think a lot of times forgiveness goes against our extinctual behavior in terms of protecting ourselves. Um, however, I have worked with clients who have chronic depression, who have chronic pain, who have chronic relationship problems, and by forgiving, truly all of that changes. It's very, very powerful. Well, I think the other thing is uh, because we're human, we also can believe that forgiveness is a once-and-done thing. Mm-hmm. And depending mm-hmm. on the magnitude of, of what whatever it is that happened, you know, this is where I think that, that, again, the practical tips that you give at the end of that chapter are so important. You know, identify your forgiveness barriers because you may have actually thought that you've gone through that process and uh, you know I've got a situation in my life that there there are uh, a couple of people that that whenever something crosses my mind uh, about those individuals and it it can be a a type of a car that I see driving down the road Mm -hmm. Uh, another one you know wasn't even someone who did something directly to me you know that required my forgiveness but it was a decision that they made um, and and it happens to be a very very prominent individual uh, who owns a household brand that advertises on TV all the time, mm. and and uh, you know I mean a, a, a company that's been around for you know a hundred years plus. But every time I see one of those commercials, I'm reminded that there's something still there mm-hmm. that I need mm-hmm. to get over. So identifying your forgiveness barriers is one of them. Um, identify and accept your reasons uh, for forgiveness is is another one of the practical steps. And then uh, number three, finding the silver lining. Yes, yes. And I think that's really important because so often we we think what happened is so horrible and yet good things can happen from it. I was working with a client who was completely unfairly let go from a position, was accused of something that later was proven that it wasn't, at all true, uh, but had already been released and for whatever reason wasn't going back and was so angry and resentful 
that that his life had been turned around. And as we worked through forgiveness, uh, we realized that what came out of that was time with his family because he wasn't working anymore um, financially. You know, he he got some money from the company, but also being able to see how his friends who cared so much about him were really reaching out and showing him how important he was to them, um, which was just priceless and something that had this event never happened, he really wouldn't have experienced that love that, that, that he was receiving from his friends. Oh, absolutely. And um, I, I have got a, a process that I take people through called uh, Black Holes and Diamonds, which is, is mapping out the things that you perceive as, as the black holes in your life. And if, mm-hmm. if you know anything about diamond mines, it's one gigantic mm-hmm. hole in the ground, mm-hmm. uh, many of them miles wide. And But out of that comes the most amazing diamonds. And so if you map out those black holes in your lives, um, you know, eventually you come across the diamond that couldn't have happened had the black hole not occurred. And if you can actually map those across with people that you know and love or people, uh, you know, who have uh, you've been attached to through work, um, you can actually map out the things in their life that if that hadn't happened, the two of you would have never met. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I encourage people to do that because it, it's so easy to just focus on the black hole without seeing the diamond. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's not it's not the denying. I have some clients who come in before they start working with me and they say, oh, you just want me to think happy thoughts. No, 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 no. I want you to see realistically what's going on. And some of it isn't so great, and some of it is so great, and you're missing it. It's that proverbial glass half full, half empty. right? We've all heard that adage, glass half full, you're an optimist, half empty, you're a pessimist, blah, blah, blah. But right. which is the truth? Ask yourself, which is the absolute truth? And the answer is both. The answer is both. So we're not suggesting that you're delusionally thinking, I'm so glad my husband left me and I'm going bankrupt. Right? That's not it. We are saying even if that's happening, there's probably some good stuff that's going on too. People in your life, right. um, just the fact that you have clean water to drink and fresh air to breathe, I mean, that that even that, quote, small Focusing on that, too, is really going to help you get through challenging times and to appreciate life and and enjoy life even more. Right, right. So one obvious question out of all of this is, and and since people do come uh, to you on a one-on-one basis, uh, you know, for you to be their happiness coach, what are the most dramatic changes you've seen? Uh, and let, let's just talk about business uh, as mm-hmm. an example. Of someone who, who started out having just a real challenge um, with their happiness, and, and once these truths started to penetrate their life and, and they started making you know, proactive uh, changes or just refocusing, um, you know, what kind of changes have you seen in people's lives? Well, one of the most dramatic Examples that I can provide is I was working with a woman, a delightful woman who just had had some challenges in the past, um, affecting her self-confidence mostly, not believing that she could do. She had these great goals, but she just she was second-guessing herself. She was procrastinating. She was putting things off because she deep down inside didn't believe in herself. And part of the happiness prescription is believing in yourself, is developing that self-confidence. Um, and so she started to take care of herself. She started to reduce her stress, to believe in herself, to have more joy. And as a result, she became extremely productive at work. Came up with an idea that I, I, she she came up with up with up 
with the idea when we were talking and you could just see her her face light up and so we worked on it and she just went for it she went for it and she ended up getting a contract for three and a half million dollars um, working with a nonprofit organization about which she is so passionate and a corporate sponsor and so financially she did great she went out on a limb she trusted herself she tried something new she applied her values and strengths which is a really important thing to do too and and so everything everything changed for that well that that again is is a very powerful story and i i, I think that all of us particularly those who are are in transition and and haven't been able to to come to grips with you know what what is going to be next and and mm-hmm. some days it's easier than others uh you know to to have the glass half full rather mm-hmm. than than half empty and so you know let's let's switch to um you know ha- have you been working with with people who are in between jobs in between successes as we like to say absolutely and one of the things that i i find a lot with people who are in transition is is again um that that negative voice that's talking to them. You can't do it. You're never going to get a job. No one's going to want you at this age. Um, there are too many people out there. Not going to, not going to, not going to do it. And that negative voice not only makes us feel miserable, but it affects what we do. I, I mentioned before this client I was working with, she was procrastinating a lot. She wasn't doing what she knew that she wanted to do or that she could do in order to um, go to the next level because her stress was so significant. And so I think that's really, really important as you're going through this transition and and so much of your work and your focus and your thoughts and your devotion is towards getting a job, and that's absolutely vital. I also so strongly recommend that you take some time to work on yourself because there is a... There are a lot of beliefs out there, like law of attraction, that kind of thing, that what when you have that anxiety, when you have the tension, when you have the stress, it actually pushes away the good stuff that, that wants to come into your life. Um, it, I've heard the analogy before, I don't golf, but I guess when you hold on to your golf club even harder, you just don't shoot as well. When you relax that club, it gets easier and your shots get easier. And And I know... This is easier said than done. So please don't hear me saying, oh, just just relax and it'll be fine. I know that this is a skill. I know that it is a challenge. I know it is not instinctual for a lot of people. Having said that, by by addressing your stress level, by addressing your happiness level, again, you're going to be more productive. You're going to be enjoying life more. You're actually going to be able to have some fun during this transition while you're being as effective, if not more effective, at, at working towards getting your next your next position right and it seems like uh the chapter q for questions uh Mm. actually helps guide through that because uh it it says that you need to spend time questioning your thoughts and that your thoughts are the most powerful predictors of your happiness and your health and uh you know uh, again in the diagnosis it it talks about um, unhelpful automatic thoughts Mm -hmm. that we have and uh, again that's all of that self-talk that goes on um, you know, when when we're trying to be quiet and, and you know, trying to focus on something. And uh, so uh, what can you tell us about uh, that particular chapter? 
So, yeah, question your thoughts. And you're right, our thoughts affect um, our health, our physical health, our psychological health. They also affect everything that we do. Because if I'm saying to myself, oh, it's never going to get better, I'm not going to be going out to the networking events. If I think, oh, no one's going to hire me because of my age, then I'm not going to be putting my resume out there. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be able to come up with new and unique and, and creative ideas of how to generate income. We really need to, every Behavior, every emotion, and a lot of our physical sensations are all caused by what we're saying to ourselves. And again, I'm not recommending that you have delusional thoughts and this is great, but really looking at how helpful is your thinking and how accurate is it. Because yes, you so have to often, change the book to A Happy You, Your Ultimate Prescription for Delusion. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need delusional thinking. Um, in psychology, we have something called a distortion. It's, I mentioned one before in terms of the fortune telling, predicting the, the future negatively. Um, in the book, I have some more, but if people want to, um, if they want to buy the book, that's great. If they don't want to get the book yet, they can go to my website, ahappyyou.com, and I have a, a list of these distortions. And the reason why I encourage this is if you look at the list, uh, mind reading, assuming you know what other people think. Oh, that's a big one, right? When you go in for an interview, for example, a lot of times we'll go right to what we think the person's thinking before we even know, and that causes us to be anxious, to be nervous, to not have as good of an interview, to not be able to think clearly. So if you look through the list of distortions, ask yourself, am I using any of these? And if you are, try to change them because they really are hindering not only your happiness but also your relationships. I mean, think about it. When we're, when we're having that negative voice, not only are we more stressed out, not only are we less productive, but how pleasant are we to be with? I mean, I have clients who come in who are in transition between jobs, and what they're most concerned about is that their marriage is completely dissolving because they're so stressed out that they can't enjoy their time, that they're more irritable with their loved ones, their family, or their spouse. Hmm. Well, let's uh, let's see if uh, if Rebecca or Michelle uh, and and is uh, we've got somebody else who's joined from the Northwest. Is it is it Suzanne? Yes, it is. Hello. Hi, Suzanne. Um, just want to take uh, take a few questions, or if you guys have any comments uh, about uh, what we've been talking about with uh, Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo. Well, Dr. Lombardo, this is Michelle. Um, Michelle. One of the questions I was going to ask was, you know, reacting to, to things in life as if it's already happening, and I do try to work through and follow the law of attraction, that mm-hmm. you know, the, the whole philosophy is sometimes if you believe it, it will just come true, and it it does help. It does help how my husband and I perceive things. Um, you know, after he he had been very ill, and it was just we had to believe and keep our faith mm-hmm. that this wasn't what was meant to be. That we you know we would get through it and everything, and and having dealt with it with at that level. At least to us, we believe that now it's easier to do in everyday life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because like many people, and, and Chicky knows, you know, we uh, I worked for a company that went bankrupt, and while I had nothing to do with it, it just devastated me personally that 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 could actually happen, mm-hmm. um, and that we could do that to to other people, to customers, and the other 400 employees, mm-hmm. and and I was looking to see if you believe that that does have an influence in in how people view life and, and how things turn out. In, and I'm sorry, and, and what was the last thing you said? And and how things turn out and their willingness yeah. to be open and accept 
what comes their way, the, the willingness to accept that there's a new person who, who may change your life. You know, mm-hmm. Chicky came into my life just, you know, we got back in touch by just a, a mere coincidence, mm-hmm. I think. Although some people don't believe in coincidences, but yes. <laughs> you know what, I think if, if I believe in law of attraction, I believe that what you put out there is what you, is, is often what you get. It, in psychology we call it self-fulfilling prophecy. So if I think, um, and, and there's all kinds of research to prove it, when, when teachers were randomly, uh, randomly assigned and told, your kids, your students are awesome, they're above average and they're gonna do great this year, and other, Teachers were told, your kids are really have some developmental issues. At the end of the school year, even though all these kids were the same, at the end of the school year, the teachers who were told their kids were talented did better academically as opposed to the teachers who were told that their kids were having challenges because it's that self-fulfilling prophecy. That's how they interacted differently with their children, with their students. So absolutely, I think that's vital. If everyone could adopt the belief that what happens is happening for a reason, and even though we can't, imagine what it is right now that it is for the the better good of you if everyone could adopt that belief and it's not always easy then imagine then when you have like what you were talking about michelle when you're when you're dealing with what was happening with your husband you knew that you could get through it you knew that something good was going to come from it you knew that despite this challenge and the heartache that it was causing something good was going to come and i think that is so important to to keep your mind focused on that too Right, and, you know, I, I think all we have to do is look at nature around us because you can't appreciate the summer unless you've been through the cold winter. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, as you were talking about having having your coat on a little bit early, you know, the the dawn comes after the dark. And I, I think, again, you're, you're urging to take a look at the difficult things that we're going through in life and what can be, we be grateful for as we're going through them and how can we – you know, characterize where we are now and 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 where we have come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think is is just such uh, wise and sage advice because uh, it's so easy, uh, you know, just to get wrapped around an axle and and even when you get bad news, um, you know, to to just uh, accept it as a fait accompli instead of saying nope. And as a friend of mine uh, uh, just was telling me today, I'm not signing for that package. You know, the, the news that was given to me, I am mm-hmm. not signing mm-hmm. for that package, as if FedEx were at the door. And and I think that that's that's really powerful because mm-hmm. if you if you just sit back and say, oh, you know, I was told this, and you know, it, it, it's just something that's going to happen no matter what I do, um, you close your mind off to the possibilities. Yes, yes, and and think about it. You are the author of your story of how you tell your story. The events may be there, but I could tell my events in so many different ways according to to my voice. We all love inspirational stories. We all love hearing about the underdog who succeeds, and it's awesome. So when you think about your life, remember that an inspirational story has two ingredients. One is a significant challenge, and the other is overcoming it. If you are facing a significant challenge right now, you can write the story and say, and this is how it happened, it was a horrible and the end. Or you could say, oh, this is the beginning of my inspirational story. Here's my challenge. I'm going to write the next part, which is where I'm going to overcome this and I'm going to wow myself, my, my emotions, and the people around me. So become an inspirational story. Mm-hmm. 
Anybody else have have a question or comment? No, I just want to thank you. A lot of good stuff to take away. Oh, good. Well, great. I, I, again, highly recommend her book. I haven't made it all the way through, but... um, it's a it's a very very easy style of book. Uh, you know, you you don't have to read it all in one sitting. It can really be a great great reference uh, to have around, both for yourself and for the people around yourself uh, that that may be struggling with some of these issues as well. I, I think it's easy to maybe just leave this one in uh, in the bathroom if you've got a husband who tends to be negative, <laughs> husband or significant other. Uh, So, again, the name of the book is A Happy You, Your Ultimate Prescription for Happiness. The author is Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo. And, uh, Elizabeth, say again your your website. I think you actually have a couple, uh, but you had mentioned. uh, (laughs) I have a couple. Yeah, it's A, Happy You, A-H-A-P-P-Y-Y-O-U.com. And not only can you order the book there, you can also get all kinds of free resources. I have a year of coaching, of happiness coaching for free you can sign up for, and a lot of sheets uh, and worksheets that people can kind of work through in terms of some of these parts of the prescription. So feel free to go to a com and get some free resources. Oh, and the first chapter's there too, I think. The intro chapter is available uh, for free download also. Great. And uh, there is also a way to connect to you on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, just so you know, your YouTube link uh, is actually broken. But I went over to YouTube, and you can definitely search for Dr. Elizabeth uh, Lombardo on YouTube, and you can come up with the various videos that are, are posted there. Oh, and, um, and also oh, on the front page, there you can. I forgot. I have all kinds of free stuff there. You can sign up on the HappyU.com. You can sign up, and I have a series of videos that I send out on five steps of happiness, five steps of happiness in your marriage, five steps happiness at work. So feel free to do that too. Wonderful, wonderful. I will do that right now. <laughs> Well, Elizabeth, it has been terrific. Uh, I remember uh, enjoying so much our, our interview that we did last year. And uh, I think those that uh, listen to this on demand are really going to be glad that they did. So thanks again, and, and just have a super weekend. And anytime you want to join us on the call, uh, you know, we have the call every week at 4 o'clock, uh, same phone number, uh, same time. And uh, each week the topic is a little bit different. The first uh, week of the month we normally do uh, leadership. Uh, Actually, next week we are uh, having a guest on that was um, uh, scheduled a couple of weeks ago, and and she got the time zone wrong. So we we are going to be doing growth next week. But usually it's leadership the first week. We talk about growth and productivity the second week, uh, marketing and social media the third week, and then the fourth week we look at the personal sides of professional life, which is usually life balance and, and happiness and and weight and, and all, all different kinds of things that we struggle with. That's great. That's great. Thank you so much for letting me be part of this. Again, I just I so applaud what you're doing. Well, great. And also know um, uh, Dr. Lombardo has uh, a page on the Executive Girlfriends group site, and uh, and anything that you post to your blog, uh, your public blog, um, you know, if you also want to copy uh, that content over, then all of our uh, all of our members will have access to it without having to remember how to get to you. And uh, also, if you will update your contact information, that is the easiest place for them to find previous speakers. Excellent, excellent. Well, again, thank you so much, and I hope everyone has a great weekend. Okay, terrific. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Great. And I am going to turn off the recording now because what is said on the rest of the egg call stays on the rest of the egg call.